Welcome to the My Life is the Medicine podcast, where we get off the never-ending search for more and take an inward gaze to find how our lives have already taught us profound truths. Rather than turning outward to experts or gurus, we talk with ordinary people and reflect inwardly about the life journey and everything felt, thought, and experienced along the way. Join us in casual conversation and reflective dialogue to discover how simply living a normal life, reflecting on our own life experiences, has already given us all the expertise we need. Hosted by Chuck Hancock, an ordinary human who has lived life in many roles, like psychotherapist, software engineer, school teacher, orphan, adoptee, father, brother, mentor, coach, ceremonialist, and more. Chuck is a weaver of wisdom from modern day psychology to ancient wisdom of indigenous and European roots, creating alchemy from everyday modern American life. Welcome, Mark. Um, my guest today is Mark Cunningham, a marriage and family therapist here in uh, Fort Collins and someone that's come in and out of my life a few times over the years. And I'm really excited to be able to spend some time with Mark today in conversation and get to know a little bit more about him and his life and his walk so far, his journey on this earth. And so thank you, Mark, so much for agreeing to come and chat with me today. Absolutely. I, <coughs> yeah, it was a random Facebook post inter that got us together, but I'm so grateful for the time and the stepping stones and the experiences we've shared and how uh, this podcast for me in connect reconnecting with you today is really just, um, you know, we're always arriving while also, man, I met you in a time of immense inner turmoil and struggle mm -hmm. and, uh, identity exploration and, and, uh, that will always go on of course in terms of growth, but that to be here today is just really sends some some fun energy through my through mm. my being so yay i'm excited to hear that and maybe i'll get to hear a little bit more about that turmoil in a minute um but first i want to start where we are i wonder if you could orient me and us a little bit to where you are in your world and in your life you know whatever feels relevant to share about that about your uh orientation and, and landscape of, of this current moment So I am facing west mm. <laughs> in your office, <laughs> and uh, I am sitting on this lovely red couch, <laughs> and um, yeah, I am 31 years old, and just recently actually came, and I'm actually right across the street now in my new office uh, nice. starting in January, so we are neighbors. I'll um, have to come check it out sometime. Yeah, please do. Um, and yeah, my, so I, I resigned over the summer from CSU, from the health network where I was working as an academic year staff and have been growing the private practice since then. And that's been going really, really well. Took that kind of leap of faith and, um, have really just been swimming in all that in terms of being my own boss and, uh, finding my magic and allowing give it and giving myself the permission as my own boss to you know experiment with that magic and mm. um, I have a two year old as you know Aspen and then we have 
Damien and Bodie, um, 12 and 9, and my wife, Joy, and we have, uh, hmm, thinking about landscape. Oh, so much, so much beautiful evolution and change as in all of our lives in the last couple of years <coughs> under COVID as this environmental perturbation changer catalyst. Um, hmm. Asking myself, what more do I want to say about my landscape, career, family? Hmm. Yeah, I find myself getting into yoga three or four days a week. I've uh, been doing that for the last three years, and that has continued to bring so much uh, healing and um, community connection into my life. And yeah, I'm seeing right now at this time a lot of things, as I saw in your email, you know, you kind of speak to uh, the experiences, not just like the one-shot experiences, but the ones that have to take a while to burn and really ferment and really, yeah, yeah come to f to be developed. And I'm seeing like 10-year cycles really coming into integration right now or coming into feeling a wholeness or an alignment or a clearing and releasing that's been really exciting um awesome yeah yeah so say more about like what is the 10-year cycle like where did you start with that and and how is it landing you in this moment that you just described yeah now i'm like well some are 10 some are 30 but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um of so give some examples of that yeah. yeah um well you know chuck i in the last year have had huge shifts in my communication with my father who was never involved in my life. Uh, he f threw text, um, after some back and forth, uh, communicated his apologies to me and asked for my forgiveness. And that was a really, um, yeah, something I've been waiting 30, 31 years for. Um, so I could dive into that more as well as, I was in Afghanistan in 2010 to 11, and as we all know, with the recent withdrawal from there and um, how that's aligning with what I'm getting involved into, as I mentioned earlier, with this Love After War film um, and the clients that are coming in, the veterans or active military that are coming in are just beautifully connected to my story, mm -hmm. as I'm seeing, you know, and, and so it's been really meaningful to um feel like i'm seeing the magic from that struggle and from that that challenge wow. um as what i like to identify as with moral injury or soul wound um that i encountered upon returning back from afghanistan that i didn't have the language for i stuffed that deep down uh, right. for seven or eight years and then i, I can't remember how i found that term but i just immediately clicked for me and uh I've been, yeah, reaching out to authors, fellow veterans about their journey. Um, and that's brought in just so much healing here. There's one at Hell's Gate about a Vietnam veteran who, you know, re returned after volunteering to deploy at 18, um, 
and then he came back and spiraled into depression and substance use and a lot of relationship challenges. And then he, f- he continued, the universe continued to pull him to Thit Nhat Hanh and mm. to Plum Village. And he went out there and uh, healed his relationship with the Vietnamese enemy, uh, wow. if you will, that were in the Vietnamese that were there and his path to becoming a Zen monk. And hmm. I just, yeah, that one was, I just read that in like two days after Christmas and that was just so, I just could not put it down. Yeah, cool. Yeah, resonance with your story. And um, maybe if it's all right with you, Mark, let's back up a, a step or so and, sure. and give us a little sketch of your story. You mentioned that you're a veteran, but if you could talk maybe a little bit more, and you mentioned your father, um, if you could like bring us up, like how did you get to this point as being a marriage and family therapist and, and what led <laughs> you into the military and you know, like, give us a little bit more details around these benchmarks you've named. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Tell me, cut me off if I get too long-winded. But okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I joined the Army at 17 uh, when I was still a senior in high school and uh, the Army National Guard. And... My whole family, my well, my mom, my aunt, they were both Air Force. My grandfather was Air Force, um, so I was different. I want to be rebel, and I went in the army. Um, <laughs> but um, and yeah, I became a military police officer, and after basic training, I was going to UNLV. Um, back in Las Vegas, that's mm-hmm. also where I was in the National Guard at, in Nevada, and I, uh, yeah, a big motivation was to, in terms of joining the military, not only in responding as a, you know, 10-year-old to 9-11, uh, but was also, yeah, wanting to have some financial security that I saw that it provided my, my aunt who retired and, and my grandfather and the opportunity to go to school because, yeah, I was raised by a single mom and she knew right away that she wasn't going to be able to afford college. And so that really enticed me as well mm-hmm. as uh, my inner searchings for masculine development and feeling like the military could give me some of that, that I didn't have with lacking a father growing up. And hmm. um, and it did give me some of that. And it also gave me some not so healthy versions of that. And sure. Um, and I came, I guess I'm going to jump to, uh, yeah, I also volunteered. My unit that I was assigned to after basic training had just gotten back from Iraq. And so I was going to school while serving, you know, part-time in the Army, while working on the Strip in Las Vegas at various <laughs> casinos. So I was very freaking busy at this time in my life. And, and um yeah, I wanted to have that experience. We were still in war. We were 10 years in war, and uh, a neighboring unit was had gotten orders, so I volunteered and switched to that unit to, to deploy. And while there, I did mainly, mainly convoy security, driving MATVs. They replaced the Humvees. Um, pretty badass truck. I can still get really excited about. If we, <laughs> like, oh, my God, if I could have one right here and show you all the bells and whistles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You'll see that soldier come right through me, but um, just like it's a million dollar truck, the whole thing. It's wow. ridiculous, the technology. And um, 
so yeah, I mainly drove, and but I also did some detainee operations, trained Afghan National Police, um, and yeah, had one pretty significant combat experience. The rest of the time was pretty safe, um, and I'm happy to talk about that more if we get into that, but uh, kind of fast-forwarding to returning home from my year, I was in... So I had deployed in the middle of my bachelor's, my anthropology undergrad hmm. for three semesters was gone and then came back and um, now we're kind of coming back to that kind of moral injury soul wound topic here. I'm sitting in my anthropological theory course where we're kind of covering all the major capstones of the the field and there's one day where we're, I believe they're talking about like conflict theory, but they're kind of talking about these themes around nationalism and tribalism and uh, the ways in which, you know, this group of people dehumanizes this other group in order to justify, you know, killing them. And and mind you, I was an atheist while in the m- army at this time. Um, I no longer identify that way. But so I wasn't I wasn't like the majority, you know, if you will, of, of Christian soldiers or what have you. And so I already had some skepticism in in viewing what war is. But I but I hadn't it wasn't until this moment that I really came into this just <laughs> uh, forced myself to ask myself these really, really deep questions. Um, I had felt this extreme heat come over me and I'm sitting in the front of this class. And as they're talking about this, I'm like, I just lived that role. Mm. You know, I was just doing that. And I'm sitting here with all these civilians and I'm like, and my brain just started running a million miles an hour. And it was like, what was it? that was me me wanting to join the military what was it that was like societal nationalist patriotic you know indoctrination what was it that was my family what like what what led to this happening and you know I think there was some shame and some guilt and some confusion and some anger and some anxiety all wrestling around in that moment and that was the kind of the day that I decided okay I'm as much as I wanted to do it before, go 20 years and maybe go FBI or DEA or whatever, I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done. Like, this this feeling is not, I'm, I'm done being a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stuffed that deep down in and never told anyone about that um, for a long time. And and I was, yeah. Uh, in high school, I had fell in love with evolution. And mm. as you've seen, I've got Darwin on DNA on my arm and yeah. uh, it was my first tattoo at 18. And, um, but I had never really known what it was that I would do with that. <laughs> I just knew I loved it. And so thankfully, you know, as the army was paying for my, for my education, I was like, well, I'm going to pick something I love and then I'll just become an officer with that. It doesn't really matter. They just want you to have a degree. Um, and so I finished uh, my undergrad in 2014, and I also finished my my contract with the Army in 2014. So then it was just like, okay, well, what the heck do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> I still hadn't really found what that path was, and I went into therapy for my first time uh, leading up to, f- to graduating, and... I had also had an interest in sexual sexuality and I had taken a lot of different classes. I built my own minor is what I like to say, although they don't honor that. Um, I took a sexuality class from darn near every department I could. And one of those was from the MFT department at mm. UNLV. 
And so that got my, you know, intellectual side of me exposed to that world. And, but that just planted the seed. And so then I was like, well, I've got some money saved up from my deployment and other jobs. And so I'm going to go explore. I'd gotten a, some people had really come into my life. Uh, Mark Manson is, a, is someone who was really influential for me. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he talks about his travels. It was really uh, something right at that time that was like, okay, well, I'm going to go travel because I've seen a lot of my elders, you know, not do that and always dream of doing that. And, and I'm going to do it. Great. And yeah. so uh, I took off to Europe with two buddies of mine. Um, and we did. Yeah, I did two months backpacking around Europe, and then I went solo to Southeast Asia. And while I was in those hostels traveling around, I just, you know, I always like to say it's like UN meetings around the, the card table drinking beers, you know, and I'd represent <laughs> America, and there'd be the Germans <laughs> and the French and the whoever all, all gathered around, right? Oh, that's fun. And, like, and we would just get into, like, you know, what what's dating like in your country? Or what's, you know, we just kind of talk about some of these cultural, societal differences and I was just so stimulated and I remember asking myself like how can I do this for a living how can I just learn about people and like um I would bring my anthro evolutionary perspective to the table and you know and um and so and then I came back from that and I just kept remembering you know there was a little bit of like okay well what can actually get you a job I don't want to be a PhD anthropologist because that's very low odds of getting like a tenure and all that. And so I stumbled into looking at, at the MFT track and I found Bowen's family systems there, uh, theory mm-hmm. and how much that aligned with my already passion of, of evolutionary biology hmm. and how systems evolve and families evolve and relationships and how those uh, add so much to, you know, the story of how we develop hmm. and that was like boom okay I, I it like i felt some competence like okay i can enter this even though i have no idea how i'll show up as a therapist at least in the theoretical landscape i, I see a connection yeah and so i yeah i went for it following that passion like the biological evolution to the psychological and relational evolution exactly yeah exactly probably not what you had in mind when you tattooed that on your arm <laughs> <laughs> not at all <laughs> not at all yeah i love the foreshadowing though like i find that that happens to so many people it's like there's this thing and like that we get really passionate and interested in it, but it's actually not the thing we think it is <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah totally hmm. yeah yeah well yeah maybe it, thanks for sharing so far like and I'm, I'm getting all these rich nuggets of mm. um the financial piece um you know wanting the stability and the financial security led you into the military you kind of touched on a little bit you know, your father not being there and seeking this masculinity um this interest in travel and understanding how other people are um that you kind of got filled in the military but mm. also something was really off with the morality and the implementation of ways that you were involving yourself in those things yes yeah hmm i see how you're a marriage and family therapist now <laughs> <laughs> well actually if i could dive into that please yeah you know the military offers you if you want to drink the kool-aid a, a purpose and meaning for your country, right? And mm-hmm. um, and at that time, that felt like something I wanted to align with, which you know I don't regret 
while also the experience of shedding shedding that skin to find your own purpose and meaning right um yeah has been one that like like I got a sense for it early, but it's still forming it and forging it in the fire has taken some time. And, and I'm proud to say, although it may be others may say like, wow, that's a bit loftier, um, uh, really just a big, a big goal. It, it, it just feels truest to my heart. Um, in regards to, you know, m- knowing my own experience of, the heart walls that I formed hmm. as a young man, as a boy in the absence of my father and my confusion and frustration and anger for not knowing why and how that led to me wanting to do what I can to, you know, help this generation, the next generation to not have to follow in that footsteps. Yeah. Um, and so now I like to say that I'm here to be a model, but also to support those in healing the relationship within and interpersonally here in our community so that we can stop wasting unnecessary billions of dollars out there fighting the enemy um, who's out there that's really in in here. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> and, like, that came from your own challenging experiences. Like, uh, you had to have those heart walls to learn how to dismantle them and to um, you had to fight the enemy out there perhaps before you to realize I know a lot of people don't have that same insight that you just shared like they still think the enemy is really out there but you actually did fight the enemy out there and found that it actually wasn't fruitful yeah I appreciate that kind of have to or you know, the way it unfolded had to be that way to get me here. I appreciate that yeah. so much. As much as I definitely beat myself up for feeling mm. like everyone else, not everyone else, obviously, but that was the narrative of the critic of everyone else already knew that. You know, that was a big part of when I came back from Afghanistan. It was like all of a sudden I started getting interactions, whether it was that anthropology class or, or interactions with, whether it be women I'm dating or trying or just hearing conversation and being like, wow, I guess the version that I was taking in or seeking out around what it meant to be a soldier is not what everyone else has. Um, and I felt, yeah, very embarrassed by that for a long time. And while there's plenty, you know, of, military service members who you know don't have that experience and this is just my own you know but mm-hmm. um hmm. yeah and i think being an atheist in the military at that that intersection made me feel really uh isolated in sharing about my journey of navigating that ident- those identities and i think that kind of added another layer of of that time that it took um, for me to kind of gain healing around these aspects. Mm-hmm. If that lands. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I get what you're saying there. 
and uh, again, it's an, it was another step on your journey. The um, you said in your introduction that you don't identify as atheist anymore, but sounds like that was needed a needed orientation at that point in your journey to help give you some of the insights that you've arrived at that you've been sharing today. Yeah. I was raised Christian mm. and was baptized and went to a private Christian school in kindergarten and first grade. And I didn't really know about this. I just, all of a sudden we were going to church, my mom and I, and then we weren't when we moved to Las Vegas and we never went back and, so there was just kind of this disconnection, and then it wasn't until I found evolution and that there was a conflict with the Christian religion uh, that came from through my family um, around that when I wanted to share my passion. And then I went, oh, right, okay, so my passion is not accepted or valued because it contradicts mm. with your religion. Um, and then later in life, I learned that my mom was asked to leave the church because she was a bad role model as a single mom with a child without a wedding oh, wow. ring on her finger. So huh. that was, yeah, something that helped me to kind of understand maybe a part of that belonging separation. You know, I had that community as a young boy and then we never didn't have it. And then I, so all those layers intersecting in terms of, yeah, more of that anger and isolation and loneliness as a, as an adolescent. Mm -hmm. um, and I recall, I know I'm kind of jumping around, but I recall like, this one day at my aunt's house when my mom was in the kitchen or something and I was watching something with, I believe it was Saddam Hussein was being discussed on the news and how, and I remember just having this rage come through me of like wanting to, and, and, and I expressed that in, in that like wanting, you know, to, to respond and to be a fight and, and my mom, and I remember looking at my mom and her having this really perplexed look on her face of like, why does he feel so strong this way? And I had, right, I was probably 13 or something, and I didn't know shit of who this person was, but mm. it was who the media was painting as the bad guy right. at that moment. And it was like, fuck yeah, sign me up. I'll go attack that bad guy, mm. <laughs> was what I felt already. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just want to circle back and, and name a connection that I don't think I ever knew, Mark, that... Um, I don't remember if I shared this with you, but I too was raised Christian and went through a very strong atheist phase, probably, you know, uh, 17, 18 through mid 20s, probably, um, before I started thinking like, well, there's maybe there's something else out there. And that led me to yoga and Buddhism and, and those sort of things. But and then also another interesting connection um you said that your mom was asked to leave the church for being a, a bad role model. Um, my dad actually was a pastor, and he was asked to leave the church. Um, I don't know if this is totally true because I was a kid at the time, but my perception of it um, was actually that he was just like so fundamentalist and so conservative that he was like totally didn't fit the congregation. He was like trying to like be too conservative, actually. And, mm. um I don't know what any of that means. I just thought that was an interesting connection with the two of us, both like Christian upbringing, yeah. parents had to leave the church, atheism. Yeah, I don't know if I knew that about you, so that's exciting to hear. I, I was also, it was around 24 in MFT grad school that I we started doing meditations, mm -hmm. and uh, I started doing yoga, but it, honestly, it was me doing psychedelics. Mm -hmm. um, that was, a, I know, 
they're all layers intersect but yeah my first time doing mdma in amsterdam on that euro trip Mm. uh that was also my first time smoking marijuana um I was, you know, an MP, so I was really good to get, other than alcohol, I didn't, I hadn't tried anything, um, mm. until I got out of the army and yeah, that experience at, at DEFCON one, <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> style rave there. Uh, such amazing people and such a beautiful venue, lakes and trees just, um, and that was the first time that I really, it was a catalyst to, you know, get me out of my head and into the present to feel the music Mm. and to see the water like i remember staring at this pond there that was just magic Mm. and i remember hearing as we're walking in the the, i have it even on my travel video i'm like hey cameron my buddy do you hear the trees whispering as we're walking in Mm. and like i had never had i mean i did have that as a as a young boy i could go back to memories in washington of that but just it had been a while and that taught me like wow I need to, and then also expressing from my heart and connecting with people so, um, so just beautifully loving. It was just like, I was like, what is happening to me? I love it. And I want to know more about it. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of, all those kind of experiences led to like, you know, maybe, maybe I could get a little more curious about what else I don't know, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) I I had quite the big ego at that time. Um, And it wasn't until going through a really big breakup um, that I then went to a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat. Hmm. And that was really profound uh, for me. And then meeting joy, uh, she, um, as you know, she is a yoga instructor and does Reiki and astrology. And so when we started dating, it was just this like <laughs> explosion of endless <laughs> conversations, uh, and so much fun. And it was so meaningful to me because I've had past partners where I felt like I was really carrying the conversational and they were like listening and they, but they didn't, but she would, she'd met me and it was just like, let's go you wow. know <laughs> and so got lost in gaia for way too long and like i was <laughs> it was hard honestly at hmm. first, it was very hard that awakening spiritual exploration it was like oh my god how much have i totally not known about because of just assuming it putting it all into this box of my relationship with christianity of, uh-huh. of feeling like well they don't want to know anything about evolution so fuck it like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Wow. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater, totally. as they say, right? Totally, totally. <laughs> all spirituality is Christianity because, <laughs> and I'm going to reject it all because of this one disagreement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just want to circle back to what you said, like DEFCON 1, um, that was the name of the rave. Yes. Have you been? I haven't, um, but I was just struck by like, that's a military reference, and you were yeah. talking about the beauty and the whispering trees <laughs> and the connection with people. I've never actually sat with that. <laughs> I love that you called that out. And it's a hard style rave. Have you ever, do you know the no, genres of EDM? Just head banging and like firework. Like it's just a very intense energy that does feel actually militaristic. But it's so huh. funny because uh, it's in the Netherlands. It's east of Amsterdam, a few hours you take a train. But um, 
I remember they were just so, they, they'd look so intimidating. <laughs> and then you'd be like, hey, man. They'd be like, oh, hey, how's it going? And then just, dun, 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 you know, so the, the polarity for sure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh, I'm so intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it still goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a couple other roads that you've kind of opened up here if you want to go down, um, both like interest in sexuality and, and roots of that, as well as psychedelics and more down spirituality. Maybe those two are a little connected. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like what's, what's got your curiosity right now as we're chatting? We're going to have to press pause on this conversation right there. I wonder if your curiosity has peaked. What road will go down in the next episode? What I can tell you is it definitely gets really good where we talk a little bit more about the drive and motivation for Mark's work in the world, especially working with young boys and adolescents and young men, as well as some conversations about sexuality and assumptions and how looking closer at what assumptions we've made in our lives and dismantling those can lead to a lot more growth. So definitely check out the next episode where we wrap up this conversation with Mark and continue on the journey. Till then. Thank you for listening to My Life is the Medicine. We hope our guest story this week has inspired you to look closer at your own life. Maybe you heard some of your own story and their story through many of these experiences are common, ordinary experiences. And maybe something about their story was unique, which also might have inspired you to think about how your life, too, is unique. Either way, we hope our story today has helped you to see that your life, too, is the medicine. If you'd like to consider diving deeper into your own story and sharing your story with others, we hope you might consider joining us on a future episode. And if not, that's okay, too. We hope you'll continue listening, keep reflecting, and help you see how your life, too, is the medicine. Take good care, and we'll see you next time.